Hi folks, this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, one of whom has taken her position as sleeps on my other laptop while I'm working incredibly seriously. <laughs> also, it's getting uh, dark later, so the chickens aren't in yet. We'll have to take a break later and put the chickens away. Occasionally, I can hear Ninja the rooster crowing in the background. Uh, yeah. Uh, the other thing to mention at this point in time is uh, we swear a lot. Oh, we do. So keep that in mind, and that's why we're flagged explicit. Uh, do not have any other content warnings this week. It is a letters show. That doesn't mean that, you know, we won't get some weird content, but uh, we don't think there's anything. Yeah. And it turns out that was a total lie. Uh, this episode, we're going to be talking about pandemic-related things. And so... Um, and suicide. And suicide. So death, suicide, sickness, that stuff. Yeah. So welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 142. We are in our fourth, fifth week of social isolation at uh, this point. Fourth. This fourth? is day 25. Day 25. Yes. I mean, it feels like longer for me because I work from home anyway. So it feels like longer? for Oh, yeah. oh you feel like you've been isolated longer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's... Uh, I'm like, I'm used to leaving the house, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's uh, I am too, at least twice a day. And then uh, everything happened. And so then I wasn't. And I'm starting to develop some very weird um, phobias. Yeah, we, we should probably talk about that. Yeah. Uh, it is, I don't know if it's okay exactly, but it's not unusual. And it's pretty normal if you start feeling either agoraphobic or afraid of crowds. Yeah, terrified of crowds now. Uh, I love being outside. I love being outside the house. Uh, the grocery, I had to go into the grocery store for a pickup. I mean, they had pre-shopped, they were doing a pickup and having to get within, uh, like 10 feet, four feet. I, I don't know, but anyway, just seeing other people standing close together was giving me just the most horrible, uncomfortable feeling. The I had to go uh, to the pharmacy yesterday, and it's inside a grocery store, and I was like, all right, if I'm here, might as well go whole hog. And so I gloved and masked up and did a full grocery shop, and it needed to be done. You know, I, we weren't in any danger of starvation, but there's a lot of things that we were, you know, we were running low on milk and just stuff that, you know, makes things easier like chicken nuggets that we can cook yeah, and yeah. Uh, different kinds of we were cereal. almost out of tater tots and being out of tater tots is a problem i could only get two bags of mini tater tots i know the, i know the, the, the potato and the chicken aisle was like just done uh and it was it was stressful i mean i handle it pretty well probably on account of the fact that I am pumped full of more drugs than a champion racehorse. <laughs> but there were points where I could not stay six feet away from someone. And honestly, the staff were the worst because they were like unloading things. And they were very cavalier about the distancing. And some people were too. And the aisles aren't six feet wide. So at no. some point, mm -hmm. you're just like, I am going to have to pass within two or three feet of another person. And you are very aware of the act of doing it even, you know, and I mean, I was masked up, I was gloved up, lots of people in masks and came home and scrubbed to the elbow, but there's only so much you can do. And, uh, 
it was it was not exactly I wouldn't say it was a phobic kind of experience, but there was this very constant awareness of my surroundings. Like you had to be really vigilant about what was around you, and that's honestly exhausting. It was uh, it was when we went to the park, like going to get our pickup at the feed store wasn't that bad. They do curbside, so they just load it in the truck. Yeah, uh, going to where else did we go? Uh, we we had the curbside. Oh, with the dump. Going the to dump, the dump yeah. wasn't bad because everybody there's a plenty of space and people can walk within distance or whatever, and that was fine. Um, when we went to the park, mm-hmm. and we stayed in our car and you and, know just parked yeah. to do some catch some Pokemon um, because you know Kevin hadn't put out in a while. And I had. But in in the park. With the windows open and the knowledge that someone could just walk up and stick their head in the window, all I wanted to do was go home. Because, and by home, I don't mean inside the house. I mean, be on our property where there's limited access in and out that I, it's very easy to tell if someone is coming or going and we can prepare and there can't be just a surprise. Oh, hey, there's somebody at the window now. And... uh this is a a this is a trauma response. This is uh, I uh, not going to say post trauma traumatic stress disorder because it's not a disorder yet, and we're also not post the trauma. Yeah, but yeah. this is an ongoing trauma response. If you're feeling this, that is okay. Don't let anyone tell you you are wrong to be feeling it because, quite frankly, however you are feeling right now is a response to it. Because I mean, nobody else has lived through this either. So how do they know it's normal? Yeah. Uh, and some of that will go away. Uh, it, it will get easier for a lot of people. Uh, they will be able to go out in crowds again. Kevin is super gregarious and I'm sure within six months of this ending (laughs) will be at a concert moshing again. Yeah. Yeah. But for some people, this is, oh, Torty, for some people, (sighs) this is going to last for a while. And if... And and we may be those people. I'm not saying we're exempt from it. Um, it's it is possible that this will be a thing that persists. Uh, generational traumas are a thing. I mean, lots of us had pa- uh, grandparents who lived through the Great Depression, Ooh. and they saved everything. They couldn't throw anything away. Mm-hmm. They if you could reuse it, they would. And they were, you know, that was an example of basically a generational stress response. I don't know what our various responses to living through, you know, the great pandemic or whatever we're going to call it is, but there will be a generational stress response. When we are, you know, 80, our young relatives are going to be like, God damn it, she sent me hand sanitizer and toilet paper again. Why did she do this? Why did we just have to go buy another 80 pack of toilet paper at Costco? Uh, Because these things happen. And honestly, you know, hoarding toilet paper if it makes you feel more secure, whatever. It's a small, I mean, not right this moment because we're running out, but like 40 years from now when we're all, you know, old and wrinkled and traumatized, uh, if you want to hoard toilet paper, knock yourself out, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, a very minor version of this, uh, after we got back from Africa, Oh, geez. There was about a month or two where neither of us could go anywhere without bottles of water in the car. 
because we had been away from potable water yep. uh, out of a tap, and our brains had been trained that if you don't bring water with you, there is no water, and there is a chance you will die of thirst. And it was, you know, extremely obvious that you could not drink the water. The water was dark brown. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Okavango Delta is full of tannins. And uh, we didn't do quite so badly after Tibet, I want to say, because there was so much water. Well, there's a, a the, yeah, the, the thing about China is, no, we, we probably couldn't drink the tap water because we don't have the, the internal biome for it. But there was a convenience store everywhere. And there was always, even if there wasn't a convenience store, even in like the crappiest hotel in the middle of fucking nowhere, which we stayed in at least two, there was hot boiled water. Yeah. All the time because it's a tea culture and they're constantly making hot water for tea and noodles, basically. And Kevin actually started traveling with a uh, a tea. Uh, didn't you order like a tea, a hot water maker? Or I y yes, yeah. Now I I travel with uh, what's basically a, a mini uh, kettle. It collapses, and I can make hot water and coffee wherever I am, as long as I've got electricity. It makes me feel better when I travel. Now it's it's a security thing. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very much a you were in a situation that. Even though you were probably not in as much danger as it felt like, but you, we became very aware of how fragile, like the the yeah the availability of drinkable water was, and we responded to it. And you know, it was it was probably two months before I could go anywhere without a bottle of water in the car after Africa. Uh, Kevin needed hot water. After I yeah yeah it's it's a, sec a security blanket and it's okay if it makes you feel better it is totally fine to travel with a tea kettle I mean it's not hurting you and you'll yeah. have hot water yeah no I I actually have found that by taking my own tea kettle and my own instant superior to every other instant out there instant <laughs> coffee. Uh, I actually now have good coffee and I'm not relying on the, hopefully the hotel has a coffee maker. And if I'm really lucky, it's, you know, a Starbucks grind or K cup or something not, um, and we've had some terrible, terrible hotel coffee. Oh, we have in the room. And, you know, so it's not a bad thing and it's actually kind of nice to be able to say, well, you know what, I'm going to have I take some decaf with me too. I'm going to have a decaf. Right? I've, and uh, yeah, again, yeah. and these are, you know, good things that grew out of out of what was probably an outsized sort of fear response. Indeed. And you should probably expect something like that when things do eventually get back to I I well the new normal whatever that is. I think it'll be a while before we hit the new normal um I don't think it's going to be at the end of this month or anything like that, nope. but uh, when we get there, whatever it looks like, you will probably, you will carry, uh, scars sounds like a very negative word, and but it's true, you will certainly carry habits and scars from this experience. This is a very scarring experience. This is very weird. It may just be that you want a mask with you at all times. Yeah. 
It may be that you need to wear gloves for a while. It may be that you become a germaphobe and, you know, that can damage you eventually if you're, you know, washing <laughs> your hands to the point where they're bleeding. But it's... Maybe you'll find a good moisturizer to deal with the chapped hands from having to wash your hands all the damn time. And, you know, it'll, it'll, there are a lot of sort of negotiations we're going to have to go through for oh, yeah. our own mental health. And it is okay if you need to make those negotiations. It doesn't mean you have failed and that you are weak if, when this is eventually over, that you just don't snap back immediately to pre-pandemic function. Uh, that's real. That's unrealistic. Mm -hmm. No one's going to, we, yeah. we, this is like, you know, the great depression there was before and there's after and all of us who are alive after, which will be, you know, the vast majority of us stay safe, wash your hands, people, especially my immunocompromised peeps for the love of God. Yeah. Um, we don't have enough listeners that we can afford to lose any of you. <laughs> uh, and I, I do want to add to that. Um, one of the hard things I've been dealing with since this past weekend is, um, we lost a member of the Dorsai regulars. Uh, he was older. He's not someone I knew very well, but it was, uh, COVID related. And that is like, for some of the members, it is a stab through the heart. Uh, for me, it's not as bad, but still, this is like someone I had met, someone I knew, someone who was, you know... In, in the, the same very small organization you were. Yeah, and while we didn't interact except maybe once or twice, um, had been a presence in the organization, a legacy in the organization, and it has hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. Um, not from a emotional sense. I mean, not in the, I have to go weep sense, but much more in a holy shit. Um, I knew that guy like in, in a lot of ways, when this happens, there's a part of our brain that goes, that's happening to other people. All our people are fine. And then when it happens to someone somewhere in your social group, it is this like jolt. It it really kind of shakes a lot of your security up. Um, and uh, I, I remember something similar. Um, you had a, a, a fan slash friend slash I, I don't know, but if someone you knew through fandom that was lost to uh, the swine flu. Yes. And, you know, didn't know them directly. But I, uh, well, I mean, I'd, I'd met him once or twice yeah. at, at parties and he was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I had a good conversation. I, I think I knew his wife a lot better. And, yeah. and then he died of swine flu. And it was, it was shocking. And it wasn't like, I mean, I, I couldn't say that I was grief stricken because, a, a, a grief, I think, a lot of times is our sort of response to mm -hmm. the loss of a presence in our lives that we are are used to being there, and we are responding yeah. as much to the shock of our life now being different. Uh, but it was it was shocking that it, it, it 
I was like, whoa, oh, but but I know that person, and uh, and and the fact that it was a disease didn't hit me about that particularly. In fact, I had the swine flu that year, and yeah, yeah that yeah. was that was a motherfucker. Uh, I uh, it laid me up for a week, and I wasn't like during that week. It was not the sickest I had ever been. I have certainly been sicker, but what got me was. Like two weeks afterwards, just going down, I had, I was done. Going downstairs to take the dogs out was so exhausting. Right. That I would need to nap. Um, it was, it was shockingly exhausting. And, uh, that was a surprise. I'd never had anything like that happen before. The actual, you know, fever and chills and whatnot, yeah, that sucked a lot. And there was a moment where I was like, yep, if I was, you know, sick or anything, this would really, like, this could really put me down. But, it was uh, just but the 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 shock of it did put someone down yeah and, as it were but but at the same time um how can i explain it 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 felt almost like like a car accident or something it because it, the the disease wasn't such a a a presence it wasn't yeah okay yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was it was like the effect of of uh, someone I knew who was a fan, who was lovely, uh, uh, damn it, we are going to have to put warnings on this one, Yeah. uh, committed suicide and I was, uh, it, it was shocking and I don't, uh, I don't blame anyone that, that was, it was, it was a, one of those situations where, they were in a lot of pain and they had a lot of medical problems and their insurance wouldn't cover anything. And they could, they just saw themselves basically, uh, they didn't see any way out and it right. was a terrible blow to lose them. And, but it felt like an isolated incident. Uh, and, and so losing this other person to the swine flu felt like an isolated incident. And, there are no isolated incidents in the pandemic and no. it's no it is not a thing that i think most of us have the sort of mental wiring to handle it's more like losing people in a natural disaster like a hurricane or an earthquake or something it's a a huge thing that is happening to all of us and nothing is is isolated anymore and the every time that it happens to someone you know uh, the the feeling of being buffered from it gets chipped away and yep. that's that's terrifying cuz i mean we all want to oh, think yeah. we're safe from it you know we we no one wants to contemplate mortality that's that's kind of scary yeah no and my... that's why i didn't get shit done this week internet yeah really uh i uh i worked <laughs> on some edits i think i wrote a thousand words at some point but quite frankly my productivity has not been great i've been doing a lot of gardening i have not been doing a lot of work writing and i wish i was doing more but uh, it's kind of hard to fiddle while rome burns yeah, it's uh, there's there's a lot of that going around. I mean, I'm having the same problems. And and the thing is, and I know all the things about how writing is super valuable and and people need writing and escapism and I absolutely believe in what I do and I believe it is important and I am thrilled for the chance to give people the chance to to escape with my books. I'm glad that people are writing in occasionally to say, you know, I really needed this light fluffy 
bizarre romance and it really helped when they're reading, you know, Sword Heart or Paladin's Grace or whatever. That's wonderful. But fuck, it's hard to write right now. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Uh, I I have to say, I have the daily chicken picture and I've been getting lots of comments on my Twitter feed about the daily chicken picture that are like, this is the only thing keeping me sane. And I, my only response to that is, well, me too. Oh. Me too. Um, but on the subject of your writing, before we go to break and before we read people's letters. And before you put your chickens away. And before I put my, well, my chickens are mostly away. I just have to double check them. Uh, you uh, know there's a Houdan brother up on the, the top of the coop or something. Probably. Uh, but before we do that, you're deflecting now. Oh, right. Um, yes, uh, my uh, <laughs> my book Minor Mage was yes. nominated. It was announced today for the Lodestar Award, which is uh, takes place at the Hugos. It is basically the young adult or middle grade book uh, that is honored at the Hugos. It is not a Hugo, you know, because it, okay, the not a Hugo is now a running joke. But yeah, uh, yeah it is not a Hugo, but it happens at the Hugos. And you get a thing at the Hugo. So, uh, anyway, it's been nominated. Uh, Summer Arcus was nominated last year. I was very... Wait, was it last year or was it the year before? Uh, it was the year before because it was the first. Uh, Summer and Orcus was nominated for the very first Lodestar okay, Award. this is the third one. So, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, linear time. Who knows? Uh but yes, so I am extremely honored. Uh, I do not expect to win. I look at, I never expect to win, but seriously, I'm looking at the other people and all of them are so good that it is a, an honor to have my name next to theirs. You know, we have Fran Wilde and, uh, uh Yoon Ha Lee and Francis Harding and Naomi Kritzer and, one other person I'm completely forgetting is Alex <laughs> Harrow. Um, yeah, I'll have to check. But uh, uh, I did good holding even four names in my head. People, I'm very sorry. Last person whose name I'm not sure on. Also, um, her medicine's wearing off. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, it totally is. Um, but uh, and I always say on these, and this is easy for me to say because I've won one of the damn things and don't think I'm not aware of that. Two. But two, oh, yeah, I guess two. Three. Uh, uh, if you count a nebula, I guess. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess it is only two Hugos. You, the real prize in these is not always the award, although obviously the award is a huge ego boost, but it's the fact that they think your name belongs next to all those other people that you know are amazing. And you look at these sometimes and you're like, holy crap, but these people are amazing, and why am I next to them? And it's, it's, it's a thing. So yeah. I'm very flattered. Uh, thank you, everyone who nominated. Uh, we will not see you in New Zealand because New Zealand World Con has been turned to a virtual con. Virtual con. But, first uh, ever virtual World Con. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll see you online. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we should take a break. So we're going to take a break. I'm going to go put the, uh, verify all the chickens are away. And we'll be back with your letters after this.
And we are back. So who's the person you missed? <laughs> I missed Holly Black. So my apologies. Also, also totally worthy and awesome. Yes. Okay, so we have letters. I got a bunch of letters. Um, so we will start. Let me go to my letters folder. Sorry about the clicking, folks. I have yet to find something that doesn't go clickety, 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 clack. The chickens what? all put themselves away, by the way. They did. It, it was uh, it was very nice. Uh, also, we should point out, mm-hmm. as Kevin noticed immediately, my meds have worn off. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. Uh, one of the funniest things about the uh, being on the ADHD meds, and I am on Vivance, is that it is one of the ones that do not uh, maintain in your system. Essentially, I get uh, I'd say <laughs> eight to ten hours of function out of it, uh, depending largely, I want to say, on when I eat. Yeah, and. Kevin can absolutely tell way before I can when they have worn off. I oh, yeah. revert to Space Cadet. In fact, I may even go a bit over farther into Space Cadet than I used to because I'm No. Been... No? Oh no. god, my god, I've always been a fruit loop. Uh <laughs> like I mean, I will be focused, I will get stuff done. And then we'll hit about 7 o'clock, which is when it seems to start to go bad. And, well, mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, it just wears off. And Kevin will be like, I have washed the dishes, repaired the electrical wiring, taken apart the coffee machine, bleached everything with vinegar. And I'll be like, I planted a tomatillo. And be like, and then I took the trash out, and then I trained the dogs to sing madrigals, and I'll be all planted the hell out of that tomatillo. Yeah, yeah. It was, um... <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Uh, thinking of that from our friend Elizabeth, uh, hope you're doing well. First off, I want to thank Ursula for sharing her process with diagnosis and so many of your guests for their openness about getting assistance with non-standard brain chemistry. Woohoo! I had another round of changes when a medication stopped working, which always makes me feel like a failure for some reason. So the encouragement of not being alone helps a lot. Badges for everyone. A, a having your meds stop working does not mean you are broken. Uh, it means that, you know, stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I used to love buttercream frosting when I was a small child, and now I can't stand it. Uh, our bodies change over time. They adapt to things. Eventually, I will probably have to up my dosage as my body acclimates to it. That's just the way bodies work. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's not you. <laughs> yes. Uh, since we talked... We talked planner brands in my interview last fall. I thought I'd send an update that I've switched to the Jibun Techno Planner, uh, and I'll have a link for that. I like the Passion Planner, but realized I was spending more than it really made sense on modifying it. Plus, with all the stickers, it was starting to get too big for my purse. Oops. Quick rundown of the features I like with the Jibun Techno. And I know I'm saying that wrong. Uh, Vertical 24-hour weekly layout with checklist space on one side. Each day has pre-printed spaces to track weather, mood, and meals, or something else that there's three of each day if you prefer. Horizontal month-day pages that are intended to be used for Gantt charts and would be great for that, but I use them for habit tracking. Hey, man, you do you. The monthly calendar is a little smaller, but still big enough to draw myself badges, drop in the occasional sticker, and mark events. Awesome. Uh, The planner system also includes two other notebooks, but I don't use them for anything yet. One 
thing to note is that these planners use extremely thin paper. There's no bleeding, but there is ghosting. To solve that, I cut some darker colored printer paper a little smaller than the planner page and taped it behind the pages I'm using with washi tape to avoid tearing the paper. Ghosting disappears. If I need to write something on the previous page, I still can, and it's easy to move. Thank you so much again to you and all the guests on the podcast. Uh, so that's the... One of the things I've noticed about a lot of the, uh, particularly the Japanese planners, is they use that incredibly beautiful but onion thin, onion skin thin paper. And it is a dream to write on, but you have to be careful because it will ghost and it will bleed. Um, I, I, one of the things I, that uh, with uh, dark colored printer paper behind it is essentially a really easy kind of homemade pencil board. Right, right. Because they, they have the special, like, thin plastic boards or whatever you can put that are – I have one that's just the right size for an A5 piece of paper, right? Which is my favorite size of, of paper. Um, but that it it's just made to sit back there and be like a backing board to write against so you don't get ghosting and you don't get the bumps and you go, don't get things like that. Um, so, no, uh, that's great. I'm going to check out the that particular techno um, because it sounds awesome. Let's see, let's see. Um, uh, from Emily. Uh, since I last spoke with Kevin in fall of 2018, there have been quite a few changes in my life and in various aspects which have shaped my productivity. It's happening to everybody right now. Um, first, the exciting bit. I applied for and received Elon University's Lumen Prize in spring of 2019, a research tuition grant of 20 grand to pursue my research on female identity and intersectionality in contemporary speculative fiction. That is fantastic. That is amazing. Go you! Yes, I've since completed the drafts of two thesis chapters on the intersection of gender and age and gender and disability, respectively, in contemporary short fiction. Ursula's story, Jackalope Wives, appears in my analysis of gender and age. <laughs> my thesis Yay. work has included presenting at both undergraduate and professional conferences, as well as a recent acceptance of an article for publication in an academic journal. Go you. You are killing it. Go. Yeah. Also, since we last spoke, I officially changed my last name to reflect that of my mom and stepdad. Um, it was a process, to say the least, and has its own logistical concerns if you are not changing your name as a result of marriage, divorce, or adoption. In it, NC, oh, at any yeah. rate. Yeah. Uh, no, I, and depending on where you are, like, when I got married the first time, they were all, do you want to change your name? And at that point, I could have maybe done so, uh, but I was already sort of starting to establish as an artist, and I didn't really want to, and I was like, what's involved? And they dropped a stack of paperwork in front of me, and I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, I recently was taking part in a study abroad program in Bath, England. I loved my time there so much, and it was heartbreaking to have to leave early as a result of rising numbers of COVID-19 cases globally. Sorry, that loud crash was uh, something falling over. Yeah. Uh, many aspects of my study abroad experience resulted in times to reflect on my productivity, and I'm sure as the program shifts to online classes, this will continue to be a trend. I have experience with virtual learning as a result of homeschooling, but I anticipate a slightly different style schedule as a college student. Lots of stuff is going on with virtual yeah. learning right now, and I am seeing, you know, lots of scrambles to uh, update, to figure things out. Uh, everyone is trying. Um, 
some people are frankly being assholes about it, but the vast yeah, majority. Yeah. Uh, I saw a lovely template go by that a a teacher had, uh, had or a professor, I believe, had had written for her students, which was she said, you know, look, a a student approached me and said, I have COVID, uh, so I am going to try to get your project done on on time, but. I know this is going to knock me down. And, you know, they were right. only a couple of days into it. They're like, I know this is going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And she said, look, uh, you know, the, the most important thing is that you get healthy and don't worry about it. Don't worry if you miss the classes. Don't worry about your grade. That is not important. We will handle it all. We will deal with it. Do you have someone to bring you food? Are you safe? Uh, do you have someone to check in on you? Because she's like, that is what matters right now. And yeah. that is what matters right now. So oh, if absolutely. you are in the position of being able to to help people learning virtually, um, whereas, you know, people have said, yeah, I had this happen. And my professor just said, we'll drop the class then. Don't be that guy. Oh, uh, well, yeah. Um, and everybody, uh, both sides are having to learn. Right. Yeah, yeah. Teachers, this is, this yeah. is both sides. Teachers and students are yep. are fumbling towards the future. Yes. Uh, I had hoped to email you about doing a two years out check. Oh, wait, I missed a paragraph there. Huh. On top of all else, I'm starting to look into graduate programs. I've continued my crafting. I still have a blog, though there have been shifts to how I handle that, which we can discuss. I had hoped to email you about doing a two years check out check in during the fall. But with the recent changes to many people's productivity and the way and life ways in general as a result of COVID-19, I thought now would be a good time as saying to reach out regarding being an interview tribute once again. While the bones of my productivity system have remained the same, they have been tested in new ways, and I've shaped them accordingly to reflect some of these shifts. Uh, hope all is well with you, Ursula, and various other residents, including but not limited to chickens, hounds, and cats. <laughs> Everyone is fine here. Yes. Uh, yes. Even the sheep in the garage is... Uh, sheep in the garage. Yeah, we our, our life has moved to the point where, because when a shepherd is staying with you, um, sometimes... The garage becomes a sheep hospital, and so far the sheep in the garage is doing fine. Yep. She had a a touch of bloat and had to be brought in for observation with her lamb, who is a adorable little chonky jet black ram lamb. And I would cuddle him, but you can't cuddle rams. You, You rams have to at all times respect humans and dogs and not get too comfortable with them or else they become dangerous. So, uh. But he's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an update from our friend Michelle. Oh, and also, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you didn't say this, but I'm sure you would, you, uh, Kevin will be looking for tribute. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no. I'll be, I'll be sending that email out. I'll be sending that yes. email out. Yeah. It, uh, I, once we're done recording, I'm going to sit down and go through, okay, these are the ones that are done and these are the ones that need follow up. And speaking of which, if you are finding your productivity systems uh, tested because of, hey, we're in a global pandemic, uh, and you found some interesting workarounds, or if... You're even if you haven't, uh, this would be an interesting time to to be interviewed. If even uh, <laughs> write us a letter if if you don't think it's enough for a full interview, yes. you might be surprised. But if it's just a a workaround you've had to do, or even something you want to do but haven't found a workaround for, send us an email. This is the sort of stuff that Kevin lives on. Probably should have saved that for the end of the episode. Shit, <laughs> it's fine. The meds have worn off, people. 
from our friend Michelle. Yes. Uh, Michelle Wexelblot, I want to thank you for the interview again, and Ursula's reaction to the warnings for the show were fantastic, and I laughed so hard. I take it as a great compliment to be compared to Professor X. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that you also had a loss of a family member listening to later episodes and hearing you talk about the cat that I knew was gone was sad, and I know how that loss can impact you. I miss my dog and have made her image my background on my computer so that every time I open my laptop, I can pretend to pet her nose like I used to. Uh, In my case, Tiny Orange Cat has moved into the spot that Smokey had basically decided was his. I believe this is actually the high-status cat spot. Uh, quite possibly. Uh, except that uh, Torty does not uh, does not seem to like it, and Torty is in charge here. But, yes, uh, but uh, maybe the second in command spot because yeah. uh, Torty was still in charge. Uh, Smokey just thought he was, but he wanted to be near me, and she wants to be near me because I guess that was his spot. I don't. Yeah, know. and Torty just <laughs> wants to be near me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I appreciate you reading the comments in the letter shows. It has been great. I want to thank Alyssa on the recommendation. I went out and got over-the-ear headphones with noise cancellation. I tried her suggestion to leave one ear off, and that helps some, but if there is an ambient hum that gets turned into the tinnitus, or that gets turned into the tinnitus. I uh, I had noticed, actually, that I when I use headphones for our D&D game, which is about the only time I wear headphones, mm-hmm. I always leave one ear off. Um, I had been doing that forever, and it hadn't really occurred to me, but otherwise, I am in this weird muffled space, and it's scary. Yeah, putting both ears on with sound and noise canceling helps a lot. Like many people, I'm working from home now, and I was using the earbuds for my teletherapy sessions. After three sessions, the tinnitus is worse than it's been in weeks. Going back to the -the over-the-ear phones from now on, I'm glad I bought some with a microphone. Uh, Yeah, no, I I have my very nice noise-canceling Bluetooth or wired noise-canceling over-ear headphones that I travel with and that I do my Zoom calls with, and I... I'm wearing them a lot more. I just made my doctor yell at me through my phone. Yes. But you don't have, you're not doing the number of, like, you're not on. No, no, I'm certainly not. Yeah, I think, no. I think I've think i got, like, four meetings tomorrow. And for me, I mean, I, I invested in these early because, well, one, I re- I my other pair of really good noise-canceling headphones We were traveling died. so much, and, and we you were. were traveling so much. Yeah, I was, and, I was. Yeah. Um, but these uh, also... Uh, I spend on a given week, six or seven hours probably, uh, in meetings and my meetings are always remote. So it, I'm buying a good pair of multi-use headphones. I'm not going to tell you which ones because not everybody's going to want to spend $350 on a pair of headphones. Well, at that point it becomes an accessibility device. That quite possibly. Yes. I did notice an interesting thing about the telehealth call that Mm -hmm. I did. Uh, my doctor has gone to telehealth for anything that, that doesn't require a physical check. And so when I did a follow up on my ADHD appointment, I did a telehealth call and, Damn, do I read lips a lot. Uh, (laughs) And I think that's part of the reason that the... And I also have audio processing issues, which Mm -hmm. I didn't really uh, twig to until I... uh, Your your cousin Amy actually Mm -hmm. said that um, the thing was that someone will say something and you will have heard what they said, but you say what anyway because your brain and then halfway through them re-saying it you know exactly what they've said and you had an answer it's just it's an auditory processing lag and apparently that is an actual issue is auditory processing disorder where people talk to me and i'm like it takes a bit for it to go through my brain and 
uh, being partly deaf doesn't, you know, or hard of hearing, I suppose, at this point. I don't know what the hell to call it. Uh, I'm at least 30% hearing uh, loss, a little more. But I read lips a lot. And so I was just reading my doctor's lips on the phone, and it was fine. Uh, the problem I'm having is my buddy Shepard does the Shepard report, and frequently, because the program she uses, there is a lag in volume between her lips and the audio. <laughs> I cannot do that at all, so I have to not look at the screen and turn the audio way up in order to uh, listen to the videos. I can't... Uh, I can't look at them and I'm not quite good enough that I can turn the audio off entirely. So it's, uh, but it's really jarring. It's like watching one of those badly dubbed Kung Fu movies from the seventies. It's, it just throws me completely. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. Fair. Yeah. Um, how am I? Well, I've decided that this time I didn't have the reserves to push through too much being too much on my own and started Cymbata or Cymbalto. Baseline minimal dose has made a huge difference in my life. Rock on. All the self-care systems I had available to me but weren't able to use were now easy. Before we had to start social isolation, isolating, I'd been going to the gym three times a week, and my ability to walk distances and speeds has increased phenomenally. I'm almost back to the, walking the pace I could 20 years ago before kids. Fabulous! I also went back to my yoga classes two times a week and doing it once a week from home for myself. I am able to not comfort eat, am absolutely craving fresh fruits and veggies, and not as interested in chocolate. This is after only being on the meds for five weeks. You know what the damnedest thing about Vivance was? Uh, two things. First of all, I don't snack. I will eat a meal, and then I will basically forget food exists unless it is something that I have absolutely strong sort of food associations with. Like, when I play D&D, I usually snack on something. So I will either get popcorn or chips or whatever. Uh, but other... Like, yesterday, I think, when we played D&D and I had chips was the first time I have snacked right. in ages. Yeah. The other thing, the first dose, the first day, I stopped biting my nails. I have been biting my nails basically in utero. <laughs> I have bit my nails my entire life. I have very early memories of my mom painting horrible, foul stuff on my hands to try to get me to stop. It's, you know, I have done it literally my entire life. The very first day, I just stopped. What the fuck? The fact that there is a chemical that mediates that infuriates me <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's like, why are brains so badly designed that one drug makes me stop doing a thing that I thought was a totally ingrained habit forever? It's enraging. The other enraging thing is now I have fingernails and having to suddenly learn a new grooming habit at 42 is bullshit. Uh, it's, it, it, it would be like if you started suddenly growing facial hair. Or, and you hadn't had it before, and you were like, oh, I have, now I have to take care of a beard. Yes, I remember that from... Your teen years? 30-some years ago, yes. Yes, well, it's like that, only I'm 42 and suddenly... Do you know how you have to clean under your nails every day? Anyway... It's bullshit, people. Michelle also says, my desire to cook has come back, and I've been doing a lot of cooking for myself. That has been boosting my mood. Never underestimate the boost that comes from eating tasty things you have made for yourself. Cymbalta, also being used for neuro 
Genic pain has reduced the carpal tunnel pain I had to zero. Not being in pain also helps with mood and eating habits. You don't really realize how often you're eating because of physical pain, not just emotional. I will also say on the carpal tunnel thing, uh, the reduction of stress should not help carpal tunnel, and yet it does. When I got uh, divorced uh, six months later, my carpal tunnel had gone away. And I was like, I went to my doctor and I was all, okay, I will give you the heart palpitations. I will give you the acid reflux. But why was getting, why did getting a divorce fix my carpal tunnel? And she just looked at me and said, stress breaks everything. Yeah. On the other end, I seem not to be able to sit and read for hours, nor be able to sit and focus on writing, and I'm stuck at 43,000 words on a book I'd like to finish writing. I've been told that as my body acclimates, I should be able to get these things back. I have four YA books here for me to read, and I hope these will move fast enough that I can catch up on my reading goal for the year. What's increased is my desire to consume audio media. Thus, I have caught up on all of Productivity Alchemy, Welcome to Night Vale, Throwing Shade, a podcast about Jewish demonology, my social work podcast, found that a really creepy podcast I love, The Black Tapes, has new episodes, and have subscribed to Hidden Almanac. It's next on my list. Aww. Uh, The the one side effect is, of course, that uh, there are currently no new episodes of Hidden Almanac, so... Um, yeah, but there's like 700 or some unbelievable number. 896. Oh my god! <clears throat> yes. I, I, I counted them when I was packaging up the complete Hidden Almanac. Good god. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that'll take you a while. Yeah. As far as work goes, I've picked up new clients and shifted most shifted mostly smoothly to teletherapy. Presentations I was supposed to give have been canceled, but I'm feeling more functional than I have in more than a year. This is good, as it's just in time for me to be the main emotional support as things in our lives shift and change. I hear you. As for other episodes, um, listening to Ursula, I wonder if I have a mild form of ADHD. I can't do stimulants, so I think my inattention issues are from other sources. As for testing, there is neuropsychological testing, which can cost thousands of dollars and isn't covered fully by most insurances. That will give you a diagnosis for ADD, ADHD, as well as finding other strengths or deficits like processing ability and speed, IQ, and other learning issues. Honestly, I swear to God, I think the number one thing they do to cut down on this with the ADH testing is just they throw you on a freaking ADD med, and if you're wired and bouncing off the walls, they're like, you don't have it. If you're like, suddenly I can sit still for three hours and concentrate, they're all, yep, you got it. Yeah. There's also cognitive behavioral evaluation for just ADHD, which is what it sounds like Ursula went through. This is often much less expensive. I think it cost a hundred bucks. Yeah. On end of life care. I started out in the social work field, working in nursing homes and helping people set up home care for their elder family members, as well as getting advanced life directives set up, including ones that you do when someone enters hospice or terminal care. I just want to point out that Michelle is a much stronger person than I will ever be in my entire life. Right. If people have questions or need help, they can feel free to email my work address, uh, mswexelblot at mswsquared.com. Find me on Quora and ask me a question there, or even find my work Twitter, which was linked in episode 40. That's that's very kind of you. Yes. Writing process. I'm trying to work on a book, and I was doing a lot of changing whose head I was talking from, and people found it confusing. I've been trying to use chapters to help me organize the point of view I'm telling the story from. I'd be interested in hearing Ursula talk about this, as I've received conflicting opinions about POV and hearing characters' thoughts. That's about it for now. Hope you and yours are well, and stay that way. 
I can do a quick rundown on that. Um, I okay. generally, uh, lately, I write a lot of romances. <laughs> and, uh, okay, let me think. The um, the manuscript that I'm editing now that I've handed in basically already and got back mm-hmm. for edits, which heart, no one has seen but Kevin and Shepard, literally, right. uh, is tight one-person point of view. And there is no head-hopping. You know what the heroine knows, and only that. Yeah. Most of the self-pub work I do, uh, I have two points of view. And the majority of the time, that is the two romantic leads. Uh, in Minor Mage, it was the the hero and his armadillo familiar. <laughs> right. But what I do is, if I am in a scene and I don't want to leave the scene completely with a chapter break... I will just basically leave a blank line of te- blank space and maybe a little, you know, curly cue dingbat or whatnot, and then switch to the other head. Uh, as long as you have the two characters basically with different viewpoints on uh, th- more or less the same events, uh, but you can't have them running simultaneously. Like, I can't do a whole scene with, with heroine. And then switch and redo the scene with Hero because that would be weird. But what I can do is do the scene with Hero, or do the scene with Heroine, blank text with like a dingbat or three ellipses or whatever, and then Hero has his point of view and he can flash back and go, well, I made an idiot out of myself when I said this. Yes. And yes. Uh, my heroes frequently think they've made an idiot out of myself, uh, out of themselves. Uh, so do my heroines, actually. But, and they're mostly accurate at that point in time. Uh, so, yeah. I write very awkward romances. Right. Yes, so uh, I would limit it. Um, I think in the Clockwork Boys duology, I only did the two with one chapter that was from Brenner the Assassin's like point of view. And that was a one-off. It sort of worked because it was funny. People will let you get away with a lot of shit if it's funny. Don't switch in midstream unless... Uh, you can do it, but you have to telegraph it really awkwardly. You have to stop and say something like, meanwhile, from X's point of view, or... I, I think um, I have read one of the Expanse books. I know I need to read more of them. Uh, but one of the things that they do really well in those books is one chapter will be from a character's perspective. Another chapter will be from a different character's perspective, but they're not in the same space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's um, like the, the main character is on the spaceship. The other character is on the uh, space station. Right now, the two aren't going to the 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 timing of all of this is happening simultaneously, and it doesn't start to intertwine, and the two different the two stories that are one story meeting up to finish at least in the first book doesn't happen towards till really close to the end, so it works really well. Trying to do like you said, I think trying to do it where it's you're trying to do Rashomon or not Rashomon, uh, Seven Samurai. Where no, it was Rashomon. It was Rashomon. Yeah, yeah, Rashomon, where everybody's telling their own version of the same scene. Um, really hard to do. 
Uh, if you are looking for examples, I would actually seek out romance novels because they usually flip between the hero and the heroine and, uh, perspective-wise, and you can see how they do it. Read five or ten uh, and see if... Uh, pick the one that you think does it most gracefully <laughs> and do a variation on that. Uh, Tessa Dare is someone I'd recommend. They're just generally fun and sort of sweet, and she switches, uh, you know, you get a hero chapter, a heroine chapter kind of thing. Occasionally, uh, it will be, you can switch in midstream, but you gotta handle it carefully. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I would avoid, unless you are really confident, and uh, not to put too fine a point upon it, I am never this confident, is first-person point of view alternating, where Ooh. the character's saying, I... Uh, uh, I've seen it, like, Tough. Andre Norton did it in, uh, <laughs> Crystal Griffin, and I, I went with it, but that's a really hard one to pull off. Yep. Uh, I would, I would probably stick to, uh, uh, alternating two points of view. Uh, like I said, find a good romance novel because they will handle it well. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, thank you, Michelle. Uh, just to warn you, that's the third of 14 letters. Okay, so I should talk less and we should read more. Right. So from Lou, uh, they write in to say, I'm so glad to hear from somebody else with an anxiety dog. I think of my anxiety as a very well-meaning, very intelligent, but very poorly trained working dog whose job it is to keep me safe. Aww. But in the absence of literal bears to defend me from, it's completely overwhelmed by all these weird invisible stressors that it doesn't know how to deal with. So it's doing the mental equivalent of chewing on the couch and barking at my friends because it's scared and confused. Sometimes literally just mentally saying to the dog, hey, I got this, I know how to deal with this situation and you don't need to defend me, is remarkably effective at calming me down. Wonderful. Uh, we have from, uh, let's see, is these these both from the, oh, they're both from the same episode. Um, this was about the, so now you work from home episode, 139. Um Thanks for this. I'm trying to set up work from home and went from working at the kitchen table because it gave a separation between work computer and fun computer to just setting up at my home desk and swapping out computers when I clock out because we're clearly in this for the duration. Oh, yeah. This was also exactly the wrong time to kind of need a new desk chair. Does anyone have recommendations for a good one? Preference for no arms or fold away arms. Um, around $200-ish, though I could go up to $300 for something ideal. I was going to be good and actually go out and sit on chairs to test them to find one that fits my particular backside, but that's evidently not going to be an option for a while. Sympathy. On the business close question, I will add a recommendation that even if it's totally fine for you to work in your pajamas, at least put on new pajamas or comfy sweats or whatever as someone with depression who has a tendency to sink into the bad kind of rut with no external structure, it really helps me just mark the new days with new clothes. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Also, <laughs> um, same episode from Catherine. I wanted to say that Ursula talking about her med refills at the beginning of this episode prompted me to call one doctor about the same, and I'm very glad I did. Yay! Because it turns out that they're closed with an answering service, and I have to call a slightly different number for refills when it comes time. So thanks for that. Also, last episode, I was laughing about some of Ursula's discoveries about how non-ADHD and or medicated ADHD brains work, and it was wonderful and felt similar to things I've thought and things I've seen friends diagnosed with adult ADHD go through. Yay! I'm glad it could be helpful, and mm -hmm. if not helpful, funny. Yes. Um, 
from Tango. Oh, hi, Tango. We just, yeah, we just played D&D with Tango last night. Um, my boss decided to schedule social meetings three days a week in Teams. Um, they're scheduled for periods where we where we're normally slow, we're normally slow, and would be chatting anyway, so they work out. We all turn on our cameras and just talk. Uh, something that my company's been doing is actually, hey, here are all of these different social things that different groups are setting up, so you don't have to, that you can join in on. Uh which I'm sure is helping the people in like Mountain View or where we actually have office offices um, adjust. And then for those of us who are kind of used to working from home and being alone a lot and just, you know, like chatting with our coworkers, uh, it's actually kind of nice to have those options. Uh, I mm-hmm. A couple times this past week, uh, twice I think, we did a virtual hangout with people, once for people that sometimes we have drinks with and uh, once for a friend's birthday. And yep. And it was cool. It was like, wow, hey, these people are all here still on the other side of the computer. Right. And um, it was neat. Yeah. Oh, hi, Beamer. A border collie has just come into the office. Mm-hmm. Everything's under control, buddy. Yeah. Um, uh, Black Tiger wrote in to say my terrible dark humor caused me to email my therapist who's been working with, with me on my agoraphobia and tell him he's going to be a lot busier. <laughs> and asked to do the next visit by telephone. So much for, hey, you need to find that board gaming cafe. Right? Oh, Black Tiger, honey, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I this this was this was basically tailor made to fuck with people with that particular problem and right? and it's not your fault and I know that uh just as someone with anxiety my anxiety drove my initial response to COVID. Like I started shopping basically when the first case hit Iran, I was like, Nope, I've read this book. And I started buying stuff on sale. You know, I stocked up on like raviolis. I bought an extra thing of toilet paper every time I went to the grocery store and thank God I did. It's made life a lot easier, but my anxiety for the rest of my fucking life is going to be going, Hey, Hey, that's a serial killer. And remember, yeah. I was right about COVID, so you know that's a serial killer. <laughs> and it's like, God damn it. So I'm, I'm real sorry, dude. Solidarity. Yeah. Uh, from Damien Ryan, uh, who we talked to several episodes ago. I know it's fun to rag on bosses and complain about micromanagement. This time is really, really hard for us. We've got bosses too, and they need to know that we're still, we're all still working and there are no problems in that, in the department. At the same time, we're trying to make sure that all of our leaders and their teams are healthy and sane with all the equipment and human contact they need. Throwing in multiple stand-ups and alignment meetings in a day and reporting isn't always micromanagement. A lot of the time it's about making sure multiple small teams are aligned and working strongly together and we can't do that without some structure. It's been an interesting week. I've spent 99% of my day in video chats making sure the department is happy and that we're all aligned together and have made more speeches than Commander Sinclair in Series 1 of Babylon 5. <laughs> Remember, your bosses are going to be losing to it too, and no one looks after them. If anyone wants a Zoom call to talk about coping strategies, happy to make myself available. Be kind. All right, Damien, I take your point. And I agree. Uh, I happen to work for a company where we already had set up that structure, and... So we already knew remote and there was already a lot of, I guess, what one would call uh, quote unquote uh, high touch um, 
not that kind of touch. Uh, but you know, uh, high, we, we are very skilled at doing a lot of communication without needing to be face to face all the time. Um, the only time it gets to me, and this even applies pre pandemic, this even applies, uh, pre remote is that, uh, I have worked for managers who absolutely positively did not understand um, that, that they were, uh, you know, their whole purpose uh, of having a meeting was to have a meeting, to keep the team aligned. And yeah, uh, when you're on a deliverable that is due in the next, you know, on a tight schedule, I can kind of understand where you want to have that status report. Uh, but taking half an hour to an hour out of someone's day twice a day to talk about what the status update has been in the last, you know, what status has changed in the last two or three hours, really difficult, really hard for, for you to be able to do it. It just leads to, okay, in order to meet my deadlines, I have to work late or work, start work early because there's this block of time where I'm not actually going to be able to get any work done because the person who's running the project is trying to schedule meetings with me basically all day. So it's like, uh, no, I, I, I just got off a meeting with you for 30 minutes. Now I'm sitting down in another meeting with you for an hour to talk about something that we already talked about in the last half hour meeting, but we have to talk about it for an hour because you scheduled it. Uh, and, and there's a lot of mismanagement that happens, uh, in the field. I know there are a tremendous amount of good managers and a lot of companies who are doing their best in adjusting. Uh, I understand that, um, sometimes it's frequently people of goodwill, like yeah. butting heads on not necessarily, uh, the best work strategies for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I will still stand by, I made a statement to a friend the other day that, uh, uh, one of the difficulties with the Agile Manifesto is that people, that the, the first one, uh, is that process and procedure is not as valuable as interactions and, um, I forget what the other one is, interfacing, right? What it meant was talk to each other. What a lot of companies, most companies, most agile consulting companies took that to mean was that in order to communicate effectively, in order to provide that, that interaction, you all needed to be sitting in the same place at the same time all the time. And that's not what it means. It means talk to each other. And I think we need to learn how to talk to each other through Slack, through uh, email, through all these other ways better and not rely specifically on that face-to-face -face as our primary means Although in I business. Although I take the point that a lot of times you're trying to report to a boss who came up in the same oh, yeah, system yeah. and is like, but you haven't met face-to-face, -face, so how can you know what's going on? So you're caught between the rock and the hard place trying to get people to... Uh, to, to reassure yeah. that the work is getting done. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of faith that has to go into this that some people aren't going to be... I think we'll That's see some at. changes. Uh, the longer this goes on, the <sighs> more that people are either going to have to let go of some of the old working style or just uh, and, and learn to handle the new one, or they are going to uh, 
Would you God like? God only knows. Would you like to know about the software that can be that is advertised as monitoring your employees' usage on their work laptops at all times? No, I think we've covered that, and also that's horrifying. Yeah, yeah, it is. So, um, from Keith Sutton, who we talked to several episodes ago, uh, you've had a bunch of really good episodes lately, and they have all given me plenty to think about. Episode one thirty three with Michelle Wexelblot and one thirty six with Heather Lowe were particularly chewy. I think it was Michelle who recommended the Migraine Buddy app, and that sounded so useful that I told my husband, who is afflicted with them, about it. I'll have to check in with him and see how it's going, and congratulations to Ursula on the diagnosis and the treatment. Woo! Uh, let's see, this was written on the 23rd. So, yeah, I've been working from home since last week, so that was about three weeks ago. On the one hand, given all the uncertainty, and I know I am fortunate to still have a job, and that I can work from home with all that's going on especially considering the lack of social safety net, even in California. Also, I have a better monitor and keyboard at home than I do at work anyway. On the other hand, I keep seeing all these posts about things to catch up on now that you're stuck at home, and I feel a bit left out because I'm still working only without a commute. On the other hand, I'm going to need to figure out a way to switch up the scenery in my home office area because otherwise I'm going to go stir-crazy. It's a great room to be in for a few hours, but not all day, and then after work, too. I'm going to need a little more mental distance than unplugging my work laptop from the docking station and plugging my personal one in. Uh, yeah. Two, two things here. First of all, uh, occasionally tweets go around on social media that are like, if you're not coming out of this with two new side hustles and a new skill... Oh my god, yes. You know, you just lack discipline. Okay, to those people, fuck you, fuck you, and also fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Shepard, Shepard just, just said, yelled, eat, eat shit. shit from the next yep. room. Yes, uh, <laughs> those people are... Uh, because a lot of people now paradoxically have less time particularly if you have kids at home oh my god uh you know just especially young kids yeah if, if your kids have not like formed a lord of the flies society and killed the weakest member then you've won well done you uh, no she's she, shepherd is laughing at us but she's absolutely right if you have more than two kids and no one Uh, yeah. No, please don't do the please feral don't children do the feral chance. children chance. Yes. Anyway, the the point is, if they aren't hoisting a pig's head in front of your house on a post and dancing around it, you win. You win. Yes, you don't need a side hustle. You have we, won. We don't need a pig a pig head shepherd. Go back to feeding your dogs. We we appreciate the offer. Uh, <sighs> My life, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> And and other fine folk. I don't mean to be exclusive. You know, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, binary folks are on my side. They want a pig head. Uh, no, anyway, I don't think yeah, non-binary no. folks anyway. want a pig head. Joke. What about the vegan non-binary folks? What about them? Do they want a pig head too? Here, yes. They want the pig head here. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, go feed your dogs, uh, please. Oh, God. I have completely forgotten. It has been driven out of my head like a screeching wind. It probably wasn't Children haven't gone feral Lord of the Flies yes. yet. Uh, honestly, the other thing is that uh, one of the great analyses I saw was it is not that you are now working from home. It is that you are sheltering at home from a global pandemic and you're trying to work. Yes. It is totally okay 
if it, you know it, it, feeling like you're missing out on doing these other things that you should be able to do now that you're at home no you get through this like and if you haven't started killing the weakest member and worshiping a pig head you're doing great too like wake up in the morning and think okay it's hard to get out of bed and the world's on fire but i have not worshiped a pig head yes kevin is gesticulating at me yes it's it's uh, well, I mean, there's the whole, there's the stretch it out symbol. What's the, okay, we, we, to oh, bring it, it in. Yes. Yeah. Compress it, yeah. Um, in conclusion, don't worship pig heads. <laughs> I work in an industry where a lot of collaboration happens by getting up and going to talk to someone else at their desk and by marking up paper drawings by hand. Yes, really. So this is going to be an interesting adjustment for a lot of people. That said, we have plenty of electronic resources and have been moving to using them more and more, so this hasn't caught us out completely. Fortunately, I also have the experience of working remotely on a project, even though it wasn't from home. All the other engineers were in a different office, so I'm more used to electronic collaboration with the tools we have at work than some. Even with all that, thank you for having an episode on working from home and anxiety and everything else. Some of your tips I'd already been doing. I'm a firm believer in getting dressed just to get into the right headspace, even if it's not the office dress code standards, and some I'll definitely be digesting and think about. As to ergonomics, I have my home desk set up well, and I have a good chair that's meant to be sat in all day. I am also not going to proselytize for the Dvorak keyboard layout, because I fully acknowledge that it's weird and means you'll forget how to touch type on other people's computers. Also, for about half the games out there, you'll have to remap your keys. I will say that when I switched to it several years ago, my wrist stopped hurting after long typing sessions. Yeah, no. I I could never get into that keyboard layout. Um, If it works for you, though, fabulous. Absolutely. Uh, For a crossover of ambient and video game music, the Fallout 1 and 2 soundtracks are excellent. Oh, look, here's an archive.org link. Since you're working with org mode again, you might find this blog post about using org mode for meeting minutes more useful. Um, I had read it. I am now experimenting with... um, with other things than org mode, because I found the I am f- spending too much time tweaking org mode and not enough time actually keeping track of my tasks problem. Um, so, but I'll be talking more about that, I guess, in another month or two. Um, what episode is this? 42. So, in eight episodes, when we do my yearly catch up. Um, that's all I can think of for now. Stay safe. And as Reverend Mord reminded us for many years, you are not alone. I think that's important. Uh, the Vorak key, uh, keyboard layout is a monster. Um, work mode, uh, I am not currently using because uh, it, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about why. But yeah, that's that's sort of the the gist. Um, from Star, so curious on your take. I've heard from friends resisting ADHD drugs that maybe Ursula can address. Is was there a fear that people live the hyper ADHD? Uh, you love the hyper ADDU, and if you medicate, they won't like you anymore. Is was there a fear that your creativity would go away? Uh, I was never afraid my cre- creativity would go away, and that's probably because I have experience with depression meds. Ah, uh, yes. There's a big resistance. Oh, it will change your brain. No, uh, when I'm depressed, I don't make anything. When I'm medicated for depression, back when I had depression, uh, it uh, allowed me to get out of bed, and I made so much goddamn art. So, uh, no, I, I was not worried about it changing that. I also wasn't worried about people liking me less. And honestly, I think it may be, um, uh, I want to say it's, it's reduced some of the friction in my marriage and there wasn't a lot, but, uh, 
the uh i didn't think there was a lot uh, but <laughs> there really wasn't the tasks that if kevin would ask me to do something i would be like yes i will do this thing and then an hour later i would be in the garden planting tomatillos and chasing butterflies uh, i imagine that was frustrating and maybe a little I don't think that Kevin necessarily attributed it to, like, malice or, like, if I ignored it long enough, he'd do it. But there was maybe a... I I have a a pathological fear of not pulling my weight. And generally, um, because I am very forgetful about doing tasks like household stuff, uh, usually that just means that I wind up paying for things because I'm like, I can do that. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about it was, um, I sort of have a little sympathy for my ex-wife who I would say, yes, I will do this thing. And then I would be like, I will do this thing when I'm done with work. And then I would be done with work and then there would be dinner and then there would be dishes and there would be all that. And then the thing wouldn't get done. And I would have forgotten about it because there was so much going on. And, it was very frustrating for her. Um, I, I understand that frustration. On the other hand, uh, you have a much better reason in that you literally would forget probably about five minutes afterwards. And after about four hours, I would be like, well, I guess I'm going to have to do this other thing. And I'd be like, yeah, I just finished X. And you would be like, oh God, I was supposed to do that. Um, and I imagine that was frustrating. And I, you actually said something about how once you realized that I had that it was definitely ADHD, it it bothered you less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, psychologically speaking, in a relationship, what can happen in those cases is the other person, and I suspect this is what happened with my ex-wife, begins to think because you're not able to do those tasks. Or they've asked you to do something and you don't do it, they don't love you. Um, and I know with you that is absolutely not the case because I've known you long enough to know how you work. And it was much more of a, I didn't write it down. I didn't pin a note to her chest to remind her to do the thing. Of course she forgot. It's a little on her and a little on me because I know this happens. Um, it does me no good to get mad at you about it because it's not something you were doing intentionally or uh, to hurt me. Uh, unfortunately, in some cases, another, a person might think that, that, well, they're just out there planting their tomatillo instead of doing this other thing that I asked them to do because I'm just not important to them. Uh, that's, you know, uh, if a person's like, thinks like that, it's really hard. It really is. And, um, it uh, it is not a recipe necessarily for success. Uh, that said, you started finding it a lot funnier once I was. Oh yeah! Once I was definitely no fool and ADHD. You'd be like, "Yep, she her brain yep. just did the." Thing oh, there she goes off into. She's chasing a butterfly now, <laughs> probably trying to ID it, and she has completely forgotten the bit where she was halfway through loading the garbage into the back of the truck to take it to the dump, or. Yeah. You know, whatever. At least you usually remembered to put your pants on. Um, ninety nine point nine percent. So, so yeah, there there has been a, a big difference um, in in some of those behaviors, but at no point do I think you ever believed that it would hurt your creativity or that we liked the um, the 
uh, yes, I am writing, I'm 300 words in and I have to do a thousand squirrel <laughs> uh, brain moments. I, I honestly just did not think it would change me that much, I think was the thing. It, it did not occur to me, like I, I had, look, I've done drugs in my life. And don't do drugs, kids. Don't do drugs, kids. I, I did them in college. I have done them under care of a prof doctor saying, you know, this will help. And none of them have changed me fundamentally being me. Like, I, I have never had anything alter who I was to any significant degree. I am, uh, uh, there, yeah, <laughs> better drugs than Vivance have tried. And so I was honestly just not worried about that. Someone did say actually just like an hour ago that my, my voice on Twitter changed once I started taking the meds. And now I'm like, wow, really? Yeah. I'm uh, now I'm genuinely curious what it is. Uh, but the problem, the other problem I'm having is that a lot of this is hitting exactly at the same time as a global fucking pandemic. <laughs> So, right. like, I got about a week of normal function before the world caught fire. So, uh, some like, I'm having a certain amount of difficulty with books where I find, um, like, if I know point A and point B, and I've written point A and point B, and then I need to write the space between them, I can write that with no problem. If I need to write point C, I'm like, I have no freaking clue what happens next. So, I have been finding myself stuck knowing what happens next to a certain extent but with no problem writing like connective tissue between scenes. So I'm wondering, is that the ADD meds because, you know, ADD me was out brainstorming wildly or is it the fact that the world is on fire and uh, I would have yep. liked to double blind to study, you know, <laughs> or something. Uh, I, interestingly yeah. enough, I, I was talking to my boss in my one-on-one -on -one today. I was like, I don't know if the fact that it, it feels like my productivity is significantly reduced is because of everything that's going on, or that I'm looking out the window and spring is, oh my god, I'm here! Whoa! Oh, so, so spring. Yeah. Much um, wow. So, yeah, it's it's tough to tell. All right. What did your boss say? I, he was uh, busy apologizing for forgetting that because the time changed in New Zealand, their daylight savings just kicked in that now that my, our meeting was at 6.30 p.m., uh -huh. And that perhaps he needed to reschedule that a little. Um, and it was cool. It was cool. So, um, from Frank the Potter, who uh, was on episode 69. 69, dude. Nice. Um, not much has changed since we talked. Everything has changed since we talked. As far as my process, I've gotten better with inventory. Still taking it down on paper, but being more diligent in recording the stages as it comes out of the kiln, goes into the shed or the van, or home with the customer. This last firing, I also took note of forms and patterns that didn't fit into the kiln. In the past, I've had a surplus of some items when I made more because they weren't on inventory, only to find I already had some waiting to be fired, so that will be better controlled. The problem, of course, is what I'm making things for. So far, two spring shows have been canceled. The local Saturday market has postponed its April opening by only two weeks so far, but I think they're being optimistic. I still have special orders to fill and can always use more inventory, but at some point it starts feeling futile. For now, I'm slowing down my next production run to make time for some other projects, sewing mostly, though I may also declare a springtober and do more drawing just for fun. I am very sympathetic. A lot mm -hmm. of artists I follow who rely on show income are 
really scrambling right now yep. because they do two or three big shows and that's that's their thing and now the shows are gone or you know they're they might be postponed or whatever or, or they might be you know this year is canceled and we'll come back but it doesn't help when the rent's due tomorrow yep. and uh people trying to figure out how to sell online people just going you know hey a lot of my income went away i don't know what to do about this so yeah a lot of artists in that boat uh, thank you so much for Ursula's discussions of her ADHD. I've always suspected I have a bit of the issue, but can generally work around it making a list, of course, of things I can do while I'm procrastinating the main issue. Speaking of procrastination, a re- recent episode of the Ologies podcast, I'll, I'll have the link for that, discussed a volatile volitional psychology procrastination with Dr. Joseph R. Ferrari. Very interesting and fun as Ellie Ward is a delightful interviewer. Motto, ask smart people stupid questions. Who never makes fun of the subject. The whole podcast is highly recommended, even if I can't bring myself to listen to the Virology COVID-19 episode just yet. Lastly, Vampire Hummingbirds. (laughs) I immediately flash back to a visit to the Arizona Sonora Desert Museum in Tucson, and their beautiful hummingbird aviary. And also remembered that Hummingbird was the Aztec god of war. Oh, yeah. They're ferocious. So, obviously, we need a new Grandma Harkin story featuring (laughs) vampire hummingbirds. uh, The Aztecs believed that uh, when warriors died, their spirits came back as hummingbirds because hummingbirds were incredibly aggressive and beautiful. And uh, legit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hug a chicken or lamb for me. I'm not allowed to to hug the lamb currently in the garage because it's a ram and we don't want it to not be afraid of humans. From Emily. Uh, Thank you for the recent Productivity Alchemy episode on working from home. A lot of the advice was useful as I try to find a new routine. After trying several sources of background noise, I found what works best for me is old episodes of Bob Ross. Listening to his voice is just soothing enough to let me concentrate without being distracting. I have occasionally put on Bob Ross and yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did have one question. You recommend investing in ergonomic items such as chairs and keyboards. However, when do you know it's the right time to make that investment? I don't know how long I'll be working from home. It could be two weeks or it could be several months. I know it's not a permanent change, but other than that, everything is still up in the air. If it's only a few weeks, I don't want to buy a bunch of new equipment. But if it turns out to be longer, it might be worth it. I feel like this is an issue a lot of people are confronting right now. Is working from home going to be our reality for a long time, or is it temporary? That is a fascinating question. If we had the answer, we would be uh, CDC advisors. Correct. What I will say um, uh, is that, uh, one... In either case, see if your workplace has an accessibility program that might actually be able to help you with this. Uh, one of our big things at my company is they understand all of this. We have a whole group of uh, products that are recommended that we can purchase uh, for ourselves or through a company reimbursement program if we're using it for work. So always check out your, uh, like the, um, the ADA compliance or whatever to see if there are uh, options provided by the place you work. Um, the other thing is that 
my personal opinion as someone who spends a lot of time in front of a keyboard, whether it's here, whether it's at an office somewhere or wherever, is it's kind of always the right time to make that investment. A keyboard that makes your hands or wrists hurt, even if you're only using it for two hours a day, that's two hours of day you don't need to be in pain. Period. That said, we yeah. totally understand if people right now do not necessarily know how long they'll be working or whether they want to make a big cash investment in something. Right. Because this is these are uncertain times. So fucking uncertain. Uh, so we don't really have an answer, but yeah. uh, if what is holding you back is not the money so much as the I don't know if I will need it, uh, it is probably worth doing some of the uh, less expensive things like a keyboard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you might not want to go buy a $1,000 Aeron chair right now. No, no. Although but those things are fucking magic, I and I know. kind of resent it. Because, oh, yeah, we used to play D&D in them at, at Red Storm, and they, they, it, wire we, mesh should not be that comfortable. We have an employee discount program on them. Yeah, don't tempt me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I just haven't done the bit yet where, you know, I love working for my company. Anyway, um, yeah, like this keyboard, though, yes, it was a little more expensive than your average wireless or USB keyboard. And by a little more expensive, I mean, it's a Logitech, so it wasn't like it was break the bank expensive, and it makes such a big difference. Um, so go for the little things. Um, and, and actually, let's talk about that. With the follow-up here, on a similar note, I would love any ideas on temporary solutions for home workspaces. For example, the chair I'm using is super uncomfortable, but if I sit on the couch or bed, I'm much more likely to get distracted or fall asleep. I can't afford to buy an office chair, so I'm looking for some sort of stopgap solution. Do you know of any resources for ideas or tips? Thanks for everything you do. Stay safe and pet the chickens. That one. A little harder. Uh, what I yeah. found... Actually, what I found was um, uh, I had when my office when I wasn't working from home, but it was it was my office was upstairs. Uh, I had a beanbag chair, and I could sit in a beanbag chair for hours and play World of Warcraft. I did it on several weekends um, for a while, quite a while, um, and it conforms to your back and, and gives you support. If that isn't an option. Uh, I think Target has Papasan-ish folding chairs that I tried out. Maybe not quite right for me, but uh, there's that. Uh, man, if you can like find a Papasan on Craigslist or something, uh, hose it down with alcohol and Lysol and leave it in the sun for two days, and then but. Dude. Honestly, if the couch is more comfortable for you, but the problem is that you are uh, falling, that you are getting distracted or falling asleep, is it is it surroundings? Because if it's surroundings that's doing it, uh, you have permission to do weird, absurd shit like, you know, rigging a sheet around your couch space <laughs> and saying, this yes. is my cubicle now. Yes. Uh, if it's a distraction issue, uh, put up, you know, it, it, tape sheets of paper, you know, but, but I don't know what you'll need to do, but, uh, however you, you need to make a, a space that is distraction free, go for it. Like, 
I'm not going to judge you. Back in the day when I was trying to take photos of birds out the window, I had a sheet hung over the window with a square cut in it that I could fit my camera through in the middle of the living room. So uh, you are allowed to do absurd-ass <laughs> yeah. bullshit if it helps you work. If there's... if if. Uh, if it's just that the thing's too comfortable and you're falling asleep, yeah, that's I, that's yeah. I don't know what to do about that so much. Yeah. Um, one thing uh, we bought since Liz is in the studio, and yes. there's no physical door to the section of the studio where Liz is. Um, we have bookcases up, so there's not a privacy concern except that anyone could just sort of walk in. Uh, we bought a, a folding screen. Yeah, and you know, maybe one off Amazon. Yeah, a folding screen with work-related things on one side that then, when you are done, you can fold up and put in the closet or lean against the wall, so that now you're not at work. Something to make that differentiation. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. and and again, even if it seems really silly, if it works for you, you have permission to be as absurd as you need to be right now. Yep, and if it continues to work for you, even better. Yeah. Okay. I wish I could tell you that, you know, no, you will definitely be here for X amount of time, invest, or no, this will be over in three weeks, don't bother, but it, nobody knows. Mm-hmm. From Augusta Scarlet, who we talked to way back on episode 93, um, after a long period of listening to other podcasts, I've recently been going back through Productivity Alchemy, and I listened to the letters episode after 93, in which you read a letter from Corey pointing out, I was the third academic librarian with ADHD that you'd interviewed. <laughs> I think the ADHD is the reason for the librarianship. If you're of an academic bent in order to spend hours in grad school... Uh, getting your PhD, you can't be a generalist. You have to be able to narrow your focus to one tiny aspect of one section of one field and then spend years researching and writing on that same tiny aspect. For many people with ADHD, it's difficult to sustain an interest in one thing for that long. Academic librarianship is the solution. You get to remain a generalist and be scholarly at the same time. I made notes of various things from a few different episodes to comment on and promptly lost it. Thank you, ADHD. So I don't remember which episode it was where the subject of self-publishing and book covers came up. My side job is as a book cover designer and painter, and the worst advice I have heard about book covers is from authors. I think self-publishing writers give each other advice on covers without ever asking a cover designer or marketer if it makes any sense. That's fair. That sounds like I'm dunning for business, but graphic design and marketing are big subjects, and most authors don't have a good enough understanding of them to make good decisions. One of the things I have frequently said is that my books, my book covers, even if it's a cover I do not necessarily like that the publisher has put on it, they know better than I do what sells books. Yeah. Uh, If you're going to do your own cover, educate yourself. Several cover designers have books and online courses available, and it's worth investing in them. Also, my current planner at home is the Jibun Technu. It's a Japanese planner that has a weekly layout that's similar to the Passion Planner, but the numbers for the hours on the the daily schedule are teeny tiny, which means I can easily ignore them. I don't do well with scheduling tasks for certain times, and if I have a planner with times in it, there's a bit of cognitive dissonance in not using them. And why is it that all planners assume you're using them only for work or for both at work and home, and none of them assume you're using it only for evenings and weekends? I keep my work and home planner separate, and I've yet to find a planner that gives me small boxes for Monday through Friday and big boxes for Saturday and Sunday. That's interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, 
also noticed that my name was misspelled on episode 93. I fixed that. And that my links were missing. Here's the ones I think we mentioned. I fixed that too. That was one of the episodes that I pre-recorded and posted to go up while we were in uh, Tibet. Oh, yes. Yeah. And so there was a little bit of a, a madness. I have already, I've already reached out to... Um, Augusta and fixed it and put the links up. Someone had emailed me about that a while ago and then shit happened. Uh, so I, I did fix those finally. Apologies for that delay. Yes. Um, finally, final letter. Woo. Uh, from Michelle. Follow up. I just finished listening to episode 193 or 139 while walking around the track at school on the corner. It's been so hard with the gym closed and no yoga class. I've found things online, but have to self-motivate. It will be easier uh, now that I have a better workspace in my room. I just need to find the pin so I can blow up my yoga ball more to use as a chair. Isn't that what you're on right now? Yep. Yep. Um, I'm bouncing. Yes. I had some things I wanted to say about this episode. Also, my butt's asleep. One of them is that the rewards of the three W's may not work for people right now as they have less privacy, especially for those who have kids. Friends in the phone video sex industry have their numbers, uh, um, have said their numbers have dropped significantly with everyone home. Just something to think about. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, that wasn't a thing I thought about, but I imagine, yeah, that's yeah. probably hard. Um, I hear that you like Zoom a lot. There were a couple articles about Zoom giving info to Facebook, even if you don't have an account. I'd love to find services that are being less evil. I'm actively looking for those right now. Yeah. I am. Um, Zoom is tightening things up. To Zoom is trying to be better. They're not good at being better, but they're trying. Um, in the meantime, I am evaluating some other things. All of my current... Interviews are scheduled with Zoom. Uh, I'm giving people other options. Um, anyway. Um, lastly, in these strange times, I'm doing teletherapy like many other providers. If listeners need support, I'm happy to be people's professional. If you're not in Massachusetts, I can't bill your insurance. If you're interested, Abe, able to pay out of pocket even a token amount my schedule is not completely full and i'm happy to support people if i can this is a link to my psychology today ad which is the easiest way to reach me it will also give you an idea of what sort of work i do and who i am just say in your email that you're reaching out because you heard my offer on this podcast and i'm going to link that in to the show notes which is very kind yep. of, of you to do, Michelle. Yeah. We all need to be there for each other as much as we are able. Warm wishes to you and yours, Michelle Wexelblatt. Um, and yeah. Lord knows I'm not that great at, uh, I, I'm not never going to be anybody's therapist, but uh, I've been posting garden photos nearly every day and doing a check-in thread. And yep. lots of other people are doing stuff like that. It, it is amazing how much small things like that help people feel connected. But that said, if you need a professional, professional good. Yep. Uh, that is everything. Cool. So, um, 14 letters. Wow. We did great this. Uh, 15, 15 actually. Cause I well, because the stupid Google mail collapsing threads uh, thing. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um, I need to figure out some stuff anyway. Uh, so there's that. Wow. Um, and the tiny orange cat is back, and I could really use a drink of water. I we should probably take a break. We should probably take a little break, and we will be right back after this.
And we are back. I have a fresh fizzy water, an orange cat, and a word to give to you in a minute. Uh, right now, I want to say thank you, Elizabeth and Emily and Michelle. And hold on, I have to bring this up. And uh, Sarah, the ant wife. Um, uh, who else we got here? Catherine. Star. <laughs> Star. Michelle. Tango. Um, Black Tiger. Frank uh, the Potter. Damien, Frank, Keith. Uh, did I miss, did we miss anyone? Oh, and Emily, uh, different Emily, the other Emily. Oh, and Augusta for all writing in. We've been, I've been getting a lot of sort of check-in emails, uh, not just uh, related to the podcast. And I want to thank everybody who's done that. It's been frankly, really nice. Uh, I don't always have time to respond to all of them. Uh, however, I did reach out to Dino. And uh, sometime this weekend, he and I are probably going to sit down for three to five hours and knock some stuff out. That will be a special. I will not try to fit it into a single episode, uh, but now is kind of the time and uh, we'll get, we'll get some support there. Yes. I, uh, I've been checking in on Patreon with frankly, no new content other than, you know, all the podcasts we support, but the, uh, we're fine here. Everything's okay. Hope you're okay too. Oh uh, yeah. Which reminds me, uh, leading into the you can support us on Patreon thing, but we usually say we're doing fine, and there are other causes you can support. At the moment, um, we are still doing fine, and if uh, you need to like lessen your pledges or anything, or even cancel them because you're out of work, you need to support uh, other causes. You're taking care of your people. That is okay. We will not be offended. I will not even, I will not look at the email and think you must hate me. It's, it's okay. Like it really is. Yeah. It really is. We'll just all assume these are extraordinary times and we're all adjusting. And I will not, I will, I will take absolutely no offense or, or, and I will not be hurt. So if you need to, reduce a pledge or whatever, go for it. I understand. It's okay. It's, it's one of those things that I, uh, I'm in a position where I don't have to reduce my Patreon support. Um, I even added for a creator, uh, recently, um, they're making D and D maps. It's really cool. Oh, Matter yeah. of fact, that's who made the D and D map you guys were playing last night. Oh, nice. Um, so it's it's supporting both my hobby and someone who's been creating for the creating for the hobby, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, so, but a lot of people aren't in that position. Uh, no, we understand. No. And honestly, uh, if you only have X amount of dollars to give in Patreon, and some other creators probably need a lot more than we do right now, so that's cool. Oh yeah. You know, uh, like we said, artists are getting screwed because they don't have shows. Uh, a couple of uh, people who are friends of mine have lost their day jobs, basically, and are now like, well, I, I trying to, to make art. And, yeah, uh, now what? And, yeah. yeah, so it's cool. Like, mm -hmm. th this, do not worry about us right now. We're doing good. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, uh, so uh, there's that. Uh, speaking of, no, not speaking of that. Um, thinking about our word of the day. Ah, uh, yes. Our, our badge code for this week, uh, because of our discussion somewhere back there. About uh, Lord of the Flies. About Lord of the Flies. Uh, no pig head, all one word, is our badge code for this week. I don't know what the image is going to be yet. 
you will probably know before you actually listen to the episode because I've been trying to schedule it so the badge comes becomes available about an hour before the episode goes live. But anyway, as we said, uh, if yeah. you've gotten through this and neither you nor your children are worshipping a severed pig head on a spike, you win. Uh, really? Really? <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, yeah. So that's that's it, folks, for this week. Uh, we hope you are all safe and sound. We enjoy, I enjoy getting your letters, even if I don't have a chance to read them on air. You don't want me to read them on air. Uh, thank you for checking in. Thank you for contributing. Thank you for listening. And remember, folks, um, do your best to stay productive. And if you can't, that's okay, too, because God knows I'm not.